What a joy to have a friend like Michael Louise Easley. <laughs> you, uh, you didn't know his middle name, but I didn't know till today that he was a boutique theologian, which is just stinking thrilling for me to know that. I am extremely excited about that. Thank you for a chance to be with you again. What a joy. Uh, Michael knows I am addicted to preaching, and once in a while he lets me get a fix, and I'm so thankful for that. Today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, please. We're going to talk about this concept of being a sojourner, a person who is a temporary resident of a place who doesn't actually live there, but who is traveling through. They may be there for a very long time. The book of Hebrews, as you probably know, was written to a group of persecuted believers. They came to Christ out of Judaism. They came under terrific attack. They began to say, is this really worth it? I might go back to Judaism, get out of the fire. And the writer of Hebrews said, that would be foolish, ridiculous, because Jesus is superior to Judaism in every possible way. And he spends this book of Hebrews saying Jesus is superior to Judaism in every possible way. I've been following Christ for 49 years. I find him to be superior to everything in every possible way. The kindness he's shown to me in five decades uh, is, is stunning. It's amazing. It's unbelievable to me. I am deeply grateful for it. So this is a letter to people who were thinking about going back to Judaism and leaving what they had before. Hebrews 11, I'm going to read verses 1 to 16, but we're only going to look at, in, in any depth, verses 13 through 16. So Hebrews 11, please, here's what God said in his book. What a kindness that he wrote it and preserved it and that we can read it in, in a language that we understand. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the men of old gained approval. They had settled certainty in their heart that God would do what he had not yet done. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what, what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he, he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would, would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Very pivotal verse in the Bible. There is only one way to believe God, there is, to trust God, to have favor with God. It's always been, Old Testament, New Testament, always been, you've got to trust him. You've got to believe him. You've got to have faith in him. Abraham looked at the night sky. He said, God said to him, your descendants will be as many as these stars. Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. If you don't believe God, he's not pleased with you. I raised with my wife three children. During the course of the raising, they exasperated me many, many times. Came home twice to fire trucks at my house. They did plenty of stuff that was exasperating. But the one thing I hated is when they didn't believe me. When I said something to them that was true and was for their good and they didn't believe me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I do not care if you 
climb to a mountain shrine on your knees and the tendons are hanging out, he's not pleased. He's calling you to trust him. That's his issue. Verse 7, by faith Noah built a huge boat when there was no water and it took him 100 years. That's sort of the kid's translation, but it's a great, great translation. A hundred years, he's working on a huge boat with no water. He believed God for a hundred years. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going, but by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs with the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Here is a man who was promised a land, who went to the promised land and said, it's not my land. I'm looking for a different land. He lived in tents in the promised land. He was a sojourner, an alien, a wanderer. Only piece of ground he ever owned in the promised land was the piece that he bought to bury his wife. He was a temporary resident. He was looking for a different place. Galatians 3.9 says, Those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, comma, the believer. Abraham got a nickname from God, the believer. What a terrific nickname. This is the guy that just kept trusting me. He just kept believing. He just kept living by faith. Verse 11 by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had, been, who had promised. Therefore there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Verse 13. All these people died in faith, without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they'd been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let me pray one moment, please, friends. <clears throat> Father, we bless you for your book. Thank you for giving it to us. I pray we'd be people who are serious about reading it, studying it, memorizing it, making it part of our lives. Thank you for your kind love to us, and we pray today as we think about these few verses together that by your Holy Spirit you would guide us to understand and you would guide us to apply. Lord, we need your help. We're very clear about that. We entrust ourselves to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. My wife and I are campers. We live in the Intermountain West. We often go to a campground, and when you go into a campground, you drive up to the campground host, and you can walk up to them and say, hey, do you have any sites? And they say, yeah, you can have 14 or 28. Those are the two sites available, and you can go look at them, or I'll just rent you one of them. It's up to you. But if I walk up to the campground host and say, I would like to apply for citizenship in your campground, they will look at me, first of all, with confusion. Then they will say, what? I would say, I would like to apply for citizenship in your campground. And then they will look at me like, you're a moron. 
I can rent you a site for up to 14 days maximum, and then you have to leave. You can't get citizenship in a campground. It just doesn't work. 14 days maximum, and then you have to go. And frankly, sir, I hope you leave tomorrow because we don't need people like you here. You can't be a citizen of a campground. This is a message today about the question of where is your citizenship? Where have you made yourself at home? Where is your heart? Are you 100% here and 0% there? Now let me make an initial disclaimer. This is not a message about big homes and beautiful cars and European vacations. Nothing to do with that. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, God has given us all things richly to enjoy. If you can afford a European vacation, go and enjoy it. God is happy when you're happy. No problem. This is not a message about the home you live in. This is a message about the heart that lives in you. This is a message about the question of where are you invested? Where is your homeland? Where is the place that you are looking for and thinking about? Are you too much at home on earth? So the Bible has amazingly 10 words that mean sojourner. Uh, they mean things like sojourner, things like alien, stranger, exile, temporary resident, foreigner, outsider, non-citizen, traveler, homeless, wanderer. It is a major identity for a Christian. Now, there are more than 50 metaphors that God uses to explain what it's like to be a Christian. Son, sojourner, sheep, soldier. There's all these metaphors that says there's a piece of being a soldier that you need to understand if you want to be a, a, follower, a serious follower. But there's also a major piece of being a sojourner that you need to understand. It means you're uneasy here. It's not really your home. You're traveling through. You got a green card. You're, you can work. In fact, you're, inspect, you're expected to work. You're not a tourist. This life is not, you know, live like you want because heaven is do-overs. That's, that's not what this life is about. This life has consequences. It matters. But we're people who don't live here permanently. We're just traveling through. Ellis Island in New York Harbor was uh, operational as an immigration station from about 1882 to almost 1950. And as you know, people would come in on a ship. They'd come into the Ellis Island. They would be tested for their health. They would have their papers checked. They would be screened. And if they got through all the hoops, they would be put on a ferry boat and taken to New York City and let out. And they would walk out into New York City. Some of them didn't know the language. None of them knew the culture. Most of them had very little resources. And if you lived in New York City, you could tell the immigrants. How do you tell them? They have funny hats and funny shoes. And you look at them and say, you're not from around here, are you? This is not your home. You're a newcomer. Well, friends, part of being a Christian sojourner is being a person to other people in the world who have a funny hat and funny shoes. We have different values. We have different hopes and dreams. We have different ways that we use money. We have different ways that we talk. We're so distinct from the culture that they look at us and say, you're not from around here. Part of our life as a sojourner is that we are people who are not from around here. 
So verses 13 to 16 explain to us four habits of sojourners, four things that people who are not from around this planet typically do. And then it gives two rewards that God is going to give to us if we're living in this way as a sojourner. Here's what's going to happen for us. He begins by saying, sojourners are people who see the promises of God before those promises arrive, verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. These are people who were promised something by God. They got to their deathbed and it hadn't happened. And rather than say, God is unfaithful, they said, I must have misunderstood something. They said, it is still coming. God will follow through on his promise. I trust him, I believe him. I have a settled certainty in my heart that God will do what he said he would do. They died in faith without the promises getting there. But Abraham, for example, according to John 8, 56, saw Jesus. Moses, for example, according to Hebrews 11, 27, saw Jesus. David, for example, according to Psalm 34 and Psalm 110, saw Jesus. They looked up ahead, and they could see the Messiah. They could see the promise of God. They didn't waver in faith. Even though they were dying, they said, this is going to happen. I know this is going to happen. They were people who said, I can see what's coming because God promised it to me. It has to be here. They are people of faith and sight, but based on evidence. Based on evidence. Please understand the Christian faith is not a check your mind at the door religion. It is based on solid evidence. God gave us mind, emotion, and will, and he expects us to use our minds, and there's great evidence for the existence of God, for the promises of God, and for the reality of Christ. There's evidence like creation, evidence like the Bible, evidence like changed lives, evidence like fulfilled prophecy, evidence like the very existence of the word and the concept of justice. Where does justice come from if there's not a just God? There is so much evidence, it's amazing. A theologian named Norm Geisler, uh, Michael and I had him in seminary, he wrote a book called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And I'll tell you, friends, if you you think about it, there is so much faith required to to eliminate God from from existence. It It is amazing. I find it to be a check your mind at the door religion to say there is no God. We are people who believe, but not without evidence. We believe based on good evidence. We're people who are not taking a leap in the dark. And so the question is, am I a person who can see Jesus like Abraham did? Am I a person who can see his return? Am I a person who can see all things made right? And am I a person who can see an eternity where all the ugliness and sadness doesn't happen anymore? C.S. Lewis' famous quote that says, if there's something in your heart which this world cannot fulfill is not the best explanation that you were created for another world, (laughs) there was a different place that we were supposed to live. So sojourners are people who see the promises of God before they arrive. Number two, they embrace and confess their identity as sojourners. Look at the second half of verse 13. And having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, They said it right out loud. I'm not from here. 
I, got, I know, I got a funny hat, I got funny shoes. I know I don't watch those shows because I just think they're immoral and inane. Uh, I know I don't do that stuff. I, I know I, I, I turned away from that, I stopped that. I know you think I'm an idiot, I, I don't care. I'm a sojourner, this is not my home. I'm not from around here. Go ahead and laugh at my shoes if you like, it doesn't really bother me. Ruth 1-1, the story of Elimelech and Naomi, and they live in Bethlehem, which is a Hebrew word meaning house of bread, and there's no bread in Bethlehem, and they go to sojourn in Moab. They went down for as long as it would take to get some more bread back in Bethlehem, and they were living down there, and they specifically said, we have gone down to sojourn. They're not from Moab. They don't love the gods of Moab. They don't speak the language of Moab. They'd rather not be in Moab. But they're going to sojourn there for a temporary time, and we are people who are doing the same. We're not tourists. We have a green card. We're expected to work. This is not free-for-all do-overs, but we're people who don't actually live here. This is not actually our home. The writer Andy, Randy Alcorn said, your home is a place you've never been. Your home is a place you've never been. My son-in-law's in the Marine Corps. Uh, he, he and my daughter met at the University of Idaho. They got married, went into the Marines. They got transferred to Florida for training. Their first child was born in Florida. His name is Caleb. He's 21 years old now. He's in the Marines. Man, this is getting out of control. But in any case, Caleb was born in Florida. And then his parents moved to California. And then his parents moved to Okinawa. And then they moved back to California when he was around 10 or 11 or 12. And then they took Caleb to see Idaho. Caleb was a resident of Idaho the moment he was born. Because in the military, you can retain residency in the state you're from. My son-in-law and my daughter are residents of Idaho, and they haven't been there for 23 years. Caleb was a resident of Idaho before he saw it. We are residents of a place we have never been. Your home is someplace you have never been. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, please. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Here's the third trait of sojourners, verse 13. They embrace, I'm sorry, the third trait, they, they constantly seek their eternal home. They're always looking up ahead for where they're headed. Verse 14, please. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And then verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly country. They are people who have a sense of homeland in their heart the place where their heart is, there's a huge part of us that has, has a homing uh, sort of mechanism. If you're raised in a place, you, you tend to love the place, and you have a sense of place. Uh, I was raised in the Intermountain West, and when I finally retired after 42 years, and I could go live anywhere except places that required a lot of money, I could go live anywhere, I went to the Intermountain West. It's my homeland. It's... I'm a, I have a sense of homing. It's where my heart is. I love the mountains and the valleys and the rivers and the forests and the rocks and the animals. I just, it's my homeland. I went there. 30 years ago, a man named Ivan Doig, uh, just an incredible author. I love the man. He's passed away now. 
He wrote a book called Dancing at the Rascal Fair. It's a huge book about this thick. He got a grant from someone to go research it for three years, and then he wrote it. It's a novel about Scots, Scottish people who came to northern Montana to be sheep farmers. And in his story, there is a woman who comes from Scotland to northern Montana at the age of 18. She gets married to a, a man there at the age of 19. She lives there until she's in her mid-80s. And the week after her husband died, she went back to Scotland. The week afterwards, she was gone. She lived in Montana, but her homeland, her heartland, the place of her belonging was Scotland. And she went back one week after her husband died. And for us, we are people who also have a homeland, a place we love. My mom and dad retired in Montana. They were retired in the same piece of property for 34 years. My dad was retired longer than he worked. It's 10 acres outside of Missoula, Montana, 401 Moose Hollow Road. Mediocre home and a gorgeous view. We loved going there. Our whole family gathered there every year at 4th of July. We did fireworks. We did my dad's firewood. We sat on the back porch and watched the sunset over the Selway Bitterroot Mountains. Uh, when we got there in the winter, we went, we went sledding. In the summer, we had all family water fights. Even my mother at 80 would come out on the deck upstairs and pour a bucket of water on someone. We had a great time there. We loved it. We would go to that property, and we absolutely loved it. The best thing about that property was our parents were there. And the best thing about heaven is your father is there. It's a homeland. It's a place where we want to go. It's a place we want to be. Here's the fourth characteristic, verse 15. They do not go back to what they left behind, verse 15. And indeed, if they'd been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. There was nothing stopping Abraham from going back to Ur of the Chaldees. Nothing. Not even God. God would have let him go. God will let you go out here and, you know, back into someone's car if you want. He'll, he'll let you go out here and go to McDonald's if you want. You can do any crazy thing today if you want. He's not going to stop you. But Abraham had no heart to go back. And when you're a sojourner, when you've embraced Christ, when he's beginning to transform you, you don't want to go back. You have no interest in the, in the addictions, no interest in the immorality, no interest in, in the wasting of life, no interest in the laziness and unkindness and all the garbage that you walked away from. It just doesn't appeal to you anymore. You don't want to go back there. I read a fascinating story about a cab driver in New York City who one, one day during the Christmas season got up, took his garbage out of the garbage, put it in a huge box, wrapped it gorgeously, put a beautiful bow on it. He set it in the back seat of his taxi as if a passenger had forgotten it. Picked up a young man, took the address, started driving to the address, got caught at a red light, stopped. The young man grabbed the package, threw open the door, and ran. And you can imagine this guy running down the alley and up the fire escape and getting his apartment. And he sets his gorgeous gift. What have I got here? And he rips it open. He's got the cabbie's garbage is what he's got. And when I go back, if I would ever go back, it's just garbage. We have no interest in going back because we're sojourners and we are people who are going forward. There's nothing back there for us. So those are the four traits of people who understand this is not my home. Here's two rewards that God promises them. 
First of all, beginning of verse 16, he will proudly identify with them. Verse 16, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Friends, according to Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And so we're going to stand before God, probably alone, and he's going to ask us a question like, why should I forgive your sin and let you live in my heaven? You can tell him anything you want to say. I've been working on my answer for 49 years. Here's what I'm going to say. You should forgive my sin because Jesus already paid for it, and I'm putting all my hope in what he did. That's it. That's my plan A, and I have no plan B. That's all I've got. You should forgive me because Jesus already paid for it. And when I say that, and when you say that, God is going to say, that's my boy. That's my girl. When I was in college, my brother was a high school wrestler. I went to see him wrestle in the Arizona State Tournament. He was in the finals match. I was in the stands. The whistle blew. My brother took the kid down and pinned him in 13 seconds. 13 seconds from whistle to takedown to on his back to the ref slapping the mat. And I wanted to jump up and say, that's my brother. I didn't have the courage. I regret it to this day. I should have jumped up and said, that's my brother. When you get to heaven, God is going to look at you and say, that's my boy. That's my girl. It will be the happiest moment of your existence. It will be the happiest moment of your existence. You may have had some very happy moments up till now. Nothing like that one. He's promising you that he will proudly identify you with you when you get there and you will be overjoyed. Number two, he says, I'm going to give you a prepared city. End of verse 16. For he has prepared a city for them. John 14, Jesus talked about going to prepare a city for us. Where I am, I will take you there. There you will be with me also. It's mind-boggling to me, friends. Jesus worked on all of creation for six days. I wonder if he's been working on that city for 2,000 years. I mean, it's a stunning city. The new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem is defined as a place of absolute beauty, a place of utter safety. You never shut the doors. You never lock the gates. There's nothing to lock out. It's a place where the glory of God lights up everything. It's a place where nobody gets afraid, nobody gets angry, nobody gets tired, nobody gets divorced, nobody gets sick. There's no tears there. It's a place of incredible joy and beauty and three great things for us to do. Worship God, fellowship with other people, and serve, do meaningful stuff. It's not an eternity with harps. Do meaningful stuff, do the stuff you're good at, and it makes a difference. And God is saying, I'm gonna give you a place like that. And best of all, your father's gonna be there. The message of Hebrews 11, 13 to 16 and of, of these other 10 words in the Bible is simply that we are people who are temporary residents. We're traveling through. We're guided by our Father. We're provided for by our Father. By faith, we're seeing our real home. We're not from around here. We understand we have funny hats and funny shoes. It doesn't bother us. We're going to a place that we can see in the mind's eye. Robert Browning wrote a poem called Paraclesis, and one short section says, So long the city I desired to reach lay hid, 
when suddenly its spires afar flash through the circling clouds. You may conceive my transport. Soon the vapors closed again. But I had seen the city. I had seen the city. I could keep climbing up through the clouds because I had seen the city. That's what God's calling for us to do. Keep climbing through, through whatever trouble comes because we've seen the city. We've read the book. We know what's coming. By faith, we're saying, it's going to get here. I don't know how long, but I'm going to press on because my home is a place where I have never been. It's a place I've never been. I read a story years ago about a missionary couple who served for 40 years in West Africa. They came home on a ship, and on the same ship they were coming to the States on was the ambassador to that country who had served our country for two years in that country. So here's a four-decade missionaries and a two-year ambassador, both coming home on the same ship. They come to the port. They get off the ship. The ambassador is met with a band and confetti and speeches and big happy deal. And the missionary couple is met by no one. And they stand on the edge and they watch all the ceremony. And finally, the band leaves and the crowd breaks up and everybody walks off. And this missionary couple walks off. And the husband says to his wife, that's miserable to me that we served 40 years in this country and not one person meets us and he serves two years there and they bring out a band. We come home and nobody meets us. And his wife took his hand and stopped him and said, darling, we're not home yet. We're not home yet, friends. 